feeling good? It's time for church. Let's get to it. If you have your Bibles, um, today is a bit of a sequel to last week's message. If you were here, if you weren't, make sure you go back and check it out. Um, We're going to be looking at Philippians chapter 3, just four verses today, 12 through 16. 12 through 16. Also, if you're taking notes, which I always recommend, I'd like to call this message Eyes on the Prize. Keep your eyes on the prize. And listen, I'm going to be real. I've always loved prizes. Anybody else like prizes? Not necessarily surprises, but prizes are great. And, and I don't know, but growing up for me, I really enjoyed finding little treasures. I remember as a kid, uh, we didn't have a ton of money, and so most of the time we had generic cereal. You know what I'm saying? Which, let's be honest, tastes almost identical to the name brand. But for kids, the generic stuff is always disappointing for one reason. It's not how it tastes. It's not even the, yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of the packaging, but it's really what's inside the packaging. It's what's inside because there's never, in, in the generic stuff that we used to get, there was never the toys, right? There was never the little prizes. And I loved the prizes. And so when we did get the rich cereal, which I like to call it the rich cereal, we'd get a, a box of Fruit Loops instead of the giant bag of Malto Meal fruit rings. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Or the box of Cinnamon Toast Crunch instead of the giant bag of Cinnamon Squares, which, again, tastes delicious. And when you're old, you don't care about this, but, like, when you're a kid, okay. So when we used to get it, I remember coming down in the morning, and, uh, and I'd grab a bowl, and I'd pour it in almost as a means to an end. I didn't even really want the cereal. I just wanted what was inside. And then I'd grab the box. I'd shake it around. I'd look at the top. If I couldn't find it in the top, I'd kind of tip it on the side to see if I could find it. And then, worst case scenario, grab a mixing bowl, pour the whole thing out, grab the toy, pour it all back in. Why? Because I wanted that little treasure. You know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. So if it wasn't on top, I'd just start digging until I find it because I love prizes. Now, this isn't something I grew out of. When I was in high school, there was this thing um, called Pepsi Points. And this is really going to age me. Did anyone like Pepsi in the 90s? Of course you did. It's delicious. And so I remember in the 90s, there was this thing called Pepsi Points, and where Pepsi started to put these little tokens on every box and every bottle. And you would collect these tokens, and then eventually you'd be able to send them in and get some, like, sweet stuff. So my friends and I, we got this catalog and, and we looked at the prizes and we were like, I need that Pepsi backpack in my life so bad. Even though we had fully functional backpacks. We absolutely did. I still wanted the prize. And so we started searching around the house for bottles and boxes and grabbed the little tokens because we had our eyes on the prize. But then we, we ran out of our, our own boxes and bottles. And so then we started digging Literally, we would go to apartment complexes in the neighborhood and start digging in dumpsters for these little points. It was terrible. Okay, I'm just going to say it. But eventually we had enough. We got that backpack, and I don't think we ever used it. But it was the prize. It was the prize. Now, what am I getting at? Well, looking back, I would say, as fun as the search was, and it was, The pattern I began to see in my life was that the prize I wanted so bad and the thing I chased after with such intention was almost never worth it. It was almost never worth the effort. These dumb toys in a cereal box, mail-in Pepsi stuff, or that anything that came after. The vast majority of prizes in my life, this is what I learned, the vast majority of prizes we pursue and want most as much as they might look great on the box, 
or incredible from a distance, they never fully satisfy the longing in our hearts. It's like my boy, every time we go to Target, I promise you, every single time he wants to go see the toy cars, the Matchbox cars, and that's amazing. And so we go and see the little toy cars, and every single time he's convinced that this time, that this car will complete his collection, yet every time we go, it's the same thing. And now we have like 300 cars scattered throughout our living room, and I just got to start saying, no, I know, but I just love my boy. But the mindset... The mindset, this mindset we have, it's in us. This mindset of never enough. It doesn't stop at toys. It doesn't stop at phones or video games or relationships or cars or vacations. No, eventually it starts to like take over just about every area of our life and it starts to make its way even to really good things. Really healthy things and meaningful things like family and, and career and success and security. All these things these prizes that we want most. But what we see, I think we can all agree, what we see on the other side is as good and as noble and as meaningful and as responsible as some of these things can be, these treasures we always thought would satisfy us. We find in the end they just, they just aren't enough. They just aren't enough and, and they always leave us wanting more. And again, we see it everywhere we look with these incredibly successful people who have achieved incredible things, people that we would look at and say, you have everything. You have achieved everything that you could possibly want, and yet they're still at the end of the day. They're paralyzed with fear and doubt and insecurity and sadness. Celebrities that have every single prize you could possibly dream of, but it's still not enough. I think the great theologian Jim Carrey said it like this. Just hear me out here. God speaks in amazing ways, okay? Jim Carrey summed it up perfectly when he said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. I think everyone should get what they think will complete them so they can see finally that it will and it won't. And isn't that exactly what we heard in Philippians 3 last week? When Paul said, he said, I once thought the former things were valuable. I once thought the prize of position, the prize of prominence, I once thought, once thought the prize of fame and reputation and religiosity and power and being right and self-righteousness. Paul said, I thought they would satisfy. I once thought those things were enough. I once thought they were enough, and I built my entire life on the pursuit of being good, Paul said. Moving forward in my own strength, Paul says, I made it. I made it. I had everything I thought I needed to matter, but it still wasn't enough. It's never enough. Because there's always another hill to climb. There's always another battle to win. There's always another goal to surpass where the final prize is just, just out of reach. I wonder if anyone here today has ever felt like that, with this belief that if you could just get that one thing, 
that one missing piece to your life, if you could just find that next promotion, if you could just acquire that next job, that next relationship, that dream house, the new car, or make that one team, maybe always finally have that baby, then it would finally be enough. Like that, like that one prize that we've been looking towards on the horizon, that one idol we create to bring you purpose. Once you had it, you could finally stop. You could finally settle in and live out the rest of your life in contentment. I think that we've all been on that side of the equation. But I also believe that we've all been, at some point, we've reached the other side of that success. Where we've actually achieved the thing we thought would fulfill us, and we're holding on to that missing piece, and we're holding on to the prize in hand, but painfully aware now, painfully aware that it's still inadequate to sustain our eternal purpose. Our eternal purpose and significance that we crave the most. And then it leaves us thinking like, well, now what? Now what? If, if that promotion wasn't enough to satisfy me, then, then, then what is? If that new house isn't enough to satisfy me, then, then what is? If that hit record or my dreams, if they weren't the prize for my life, then what is? What is? What is? Well, that's where our passage picks up for today. Again, if you have your Bibles, we'll be looking at Philippians 3, 12 through 16. As Paul talks about the prize that is Christ. But before we get there, I just want, to, I want you to remember quickly, um, as we're reading these words, who Paul was writing Philippians to. Because Paul, he was writing to a people of prominence. He was writing to uh, a Roman colony filled with really important people. He was writing to former political and military leaders who likely found incredible success in their careers. People who found respect Fame, honor, and glory for themselves. This was who he was writing to. Paul's not writing to a city of slaves here. He's writing to a church following Jesus filled with people that the world looked at and the world said they mattered. This is important for you to remember. He's writing to people the world would recognize as important. And it's to them that he writes all throughout this letter. He says, remember, don't forget, remember, Everything you've found, everything you've earned, everything you've achieved on your own will ultimately leave you wanting more. Verse 7, Paul says, with a quick recap, I once thought these things were valuable. It'll on the screen. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing and knowing, being known by Christ Jesus, my Lord. And this is our passage, verse 12 for today. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. I haven't achieved the prize of fully knowing Christ or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to, but I press on to possess that perfection, that prize for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. And again, if there's one thing I really need you to receive today, one thing I really need you to remember is this, is that Jesus is the prize Jesus is the prize. Everything else in this life will, feel, will leave you feeling empty eventually, but Jesus will always be enough. Jesus 
is the prize. Can you say that with me real quick? Jesus is the prize. He will always be enough. He will always be enough. Jesus is the prize. But we're at church. We know these things. Right? I mean, we, I, I know that most of you know this to be true. But if you're anything like me, sometimes knowing it and believing it and understanding it and moving forward with it are two, very, three, four different, very different things. And they don't always naturally lead to the other. Knowing something to be true and living in response, they don't always flow. And that's because this side of heaven, everything in around us, is at odds with everything within us. Everything in the world is at odds with the salvation that we have received. And the world, the enemy, they, they want to do whatever they can to blind us and convince us over and over again that stuff can satisfy. That what we can do is enough. The enemy is doing everything he can to lull us into a life of mediocrity and apathy where, where we forget that the of the universe lives within us and is for us and is leading us to our greatest possible end. The enemy is doing everything he can to take our eyes off the prize. Our eyes off the prize. And more often than not, more often than we'd probably like to admit, it works. Which is again why Paul is writing. He's writing as an encouragement and also a reminder, but, but also acknowledging that this is just real life. This is real life, verse 13. Jesus is the prize, but verse 13, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it. I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived. I'm not someone immune to all that the world is throwing at me. No, I'm still on this journey following Jesus with you, Paul is writing. And it's hard. I haven't achieved it. But I focus on this one thing. This is really important. I focus on this one thing. This is the second half of verse 13. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. One more time. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, Paul says, I press on and keep my eyes on the prize, on the fullness of eternity with Jesus for which God is calling us. Forgetting the past, keeping my eyes on the prize, I'm pressing on. I'm pressing on. And it is really interesting I would say, to think about the audience that Paul is writing. But I think it's even more important to recognize how relevant this word is for us today. Because as Christians, there's almost nothing more distracting. There's almost nothing more destructive. There's almost nothing that leads us and distracts us from following Jesus and his way, from the prize that is Christ. There's almost nothing more destructive than the past. The past, somehow, if, if we aren't careful, it has this power. The past has the power that can lead you in one of you to either grieve the life you lived or mourn the life you left behind. 
Let me say that one more time. The past has the power to lead you, to grieve the life you lived before, or mourn the life you left behind. Let me explain. For some of us, I would say we lose sight of Jesus, of the prize, because we don't think we deserve him. We lose sight of the prize because of our past. We get lost in all the regret for how we once lived before salvation, and it distracts us and gets us all turned around where, where somehow we still see ourselves as dead in our sin and that God could never love us or use us for anything more than targets for his wrath. Believing that we're still who we used to be and the change that God made in us didn't stick. Didn't stick. It wasn't enough because we were just too broken. So we feel shame and we feel guilt and we grieve the life we lived this constant state of regret. Now on the other side, for some, I think the past, it distracts us from Jesus by convincing us that, that the best life can get, we already lived before. That the best life can get, we already lived, and now it's gone. And so we create these monuments for the past these idols to the past, and we mourn that we're not there anymore. We wish for a time machine every single day to go back to the good old days, right? I know a lot of people that struggle with this, folks that believe their best years were in high school, folks that think their best years were in college, right? Or that life peaked before kids, before wrinkles, before mortality became real. And now everything is just downhill as they grieve the life they, they left behind, just waiting around to die. And I hope you see this. The past is a weapon the enemy uses to take our eyes off of the prize. The past is a weapon that the enemy uses to take our eyes off of Jesus, which is again why Paul says this in verse 13. He drives this home when he says, forgetting the past, I'm looking forward to what lies ahead. I am pressing on. I am pressing on. And these are powerful words, especially as you consider the past that Paul has to leave behind. It's so easy for us to remember Paul as this superhero of the faith. But this guy, this guy, I mean, he locked up and killed Christians. That's his backstory. He was not a good guy. If there was ever a man to, that could be overwhelmed and defined by his past, it's Paul. Still, God met him. God changed him. God inspired him and fixed his eyes on what was possible. And so now Paul can say this. He can say, forgetting the past. Forgetting the people I locked up. That's tough. Forgetting Stephen, who I oversaw the stoning. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Paul says, I'm pressing on. My eyes are fixed on the promise before me. It sounds like what we heard in Isaiah earlier in our readers when God said to a people leaving captivity, to, to Israel as they were walking toward God's promises but looking nostalgically back to their, to their slavery. God says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. 
Keep your eyes fixed on the prize, on the promise that sits before you. And this is what I think God is trying to speak into us through this passage today from Philippians chapter 3. That as so many of us get caught up in living in and for the former things. God is saying this where, where we might want to move forward. We might want to move forward, but we're struggling because we still see our prize in the past. We want to move forward, but we don't always know how because we still see our true north behind us. You know, and so we take step after step after step into this new life of faith, but we're doing so looking behind us. So step after step, and picture this for a moment, right? Step after step, walking toward the prize, but looking behind you. And you wonder why we run into so many obstacles. Because we're walking towards the promises of God, but we're still looking back to the life that we grieve or the life that we mourn, to all the things that came before. And what the world says matters, on what God did before, on the times that we were happy, on the times that things were easy. So we're walking forward, but we're looking back. And so I don't, I don't know where you're at today. What I do know is that for everyone here, every single one of us has a before and after. Every single one of us. And every single one of us at one point, like Ephesians 2 said earlier in our scripture, for every single one of us, you were dead before because of your sin. This is true. Amen. This is true. But now, if you're following Jesus, the scripture says you are alive. That you are born again because of the incredible mercy and love of God. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And the salvation came to you. The salvation that came to you had very little to do with you and everything to do with God. And this is also true. But now that you are new, now that you are new, what you choose to do with your days, this has everything to do with you. The salvation that came to you had nothing to do with you. But the days that follow has everything to do with you. And you can either keep your eyes fixed on the prize, forgetting the former things, and step into the greater life of obedience that God saved you for, or Scripture says you can live in the past. You can forget the former things, or you can live in the past. You can press on. You can press on towards Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, or you can keep on chasing all the counterfeit treasures that the world is trying to convince you will satisfy, but never do. That is up to you. God did the work. God paved the way. Now, it's up to you. Are you going to step into this life of faith as God's masterpiece of mercy created in Christ to do the good things he planned for us long ago? Or are you going to exist from here to heaven walking in circles, always searching for significance because every step forward you take looking behind you? That is up to us. And I'd say, honestly, if I think about my own life, I would say, you know, 
okay, I, I can either keep my eyes fixed on Jesus or I can look to the past. I can, it's probably a little bit of both, right? If we're just being real. Like we want, you know, we're striving to, to, to keep our eyes on the prize and yet we're so easily distracted. And so it's probably a, a little bit of both. But I, I really need you to understand today that God believes in your life so much. That God believes in you and is calling you even now to a greater life of faith. A greater life of focus on Jesus, the prize. To keep your eyes on him. To, to let you know to let you know that you are made for more than looking behind you. But to do that, to step into this new way, this greater life of faith with eyes on the prize, Paul said, and Isaiah said, and so many others in the scriptures have said, you, you just have to forget what came before. You have to forget what came before and look forward to what lies ahead. You have to let go of the past and step in to the future, trusting that Jesus and his way is truly the prize worth pursuing. That Jesus and his way are truly the prize worth pursuing. So this is the sequel, Philippians 3, 12 through 16. And the band is going to come up and lead us in a, a time of response in just a minute. But as they do, I just want to leave two questions with you to think about. Because this is a lot. I mean, last week we talked about the greatest possible win in this life is to know and be known by God. And today we're talking about the prize that is Jesus and, and how we need to keep our eyes fixed on him. We need, to avoid the, we need to avoid all the distractions, forget what came before, because God is going to do a new thing in us and through us. And, and so it's amazing stuff. It's a good news. But there's two quick things I want you to think about. The first question is simply, what are you living for? And what I mean by that is, what is your prize of greatest worth? What is your prize of greatest worth? Someone asked me the other day, if your house started on fire, what would be the first thing you take with you? I was like, my kids, okay? <laughs> In your in the metaphorical house fire of your life, what is your greatest prize, the greatest possession that you will fix your eyes upon? It's the first thing. What are you searching for and investing and building your life upon? Is it Jesus? Is it yourself? Is it your stuff? What is it that you truly believe will satisfy the longing in your heart? That's the first question. The second is, probably just a follow-up, where, where are you looking for to find it? Where are you looking to find it? Are you building your life on the future that God is laying in front of you? Or are you going back again and again and again to a life that's familiar? To a life that's been done? Are you stepping into the new thing with God? Or are you still living off the faith you had 20 years ago? Because there is so much more available to you. There is so much more that God wants for us as we press on toward the prize that is Jesus. So what is your prize? What is it that matters most to you? Because if you're anything like me, 
I have looked to so many different things to satisfy. I have looked to so many different things to, to fill me and to complete me. And yet all those things eventually just slip away and leave me wanting more. The only thing that has ever satisfied my soul is knowing and being known by Jesus. So, what is your prize? And where are you looking? I'd like to end just with one, one thing. This is from our opening scripture. In Isaiah chapter 43, it says this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through mighty waters, he, the Lord, who is charting the course for all who believe. He, the Lord, says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? Yes, I will make rivers in dry wastelands so that my chosen people can be refreshed. The people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. So what is your prize this morning? What is your prize? I'm going to pray for you. We're going to sing a song in response, a song that speaks to the new thing that God is doing. But I just want to pray for you. And if, if, if by chance this is your, this is, you're here and you're just like, hey, I'm at church. I don't know why I'm here. I got dragged in before brunch or something. Um, and now you're hearing all this stuff for the first time. Thanks for being here. So glad you're here. Anyone joining us online randomly on Facebook, thanks for watching. I just want to challenge you in this moment. I want to pray for you that God would open your eyes to his presence and in this moment you'd begin to see a new prize moving forward. A new prize to know and be known by him. So if that is you, you can follow along in prayer. Otherwise, everyone else in the room can just pray for those watching or listening today. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we thank you. God, we ask that you would fix our eyes on you today. That we would come to know, maybe for the first time, that you truly are the only one that satisfies the living water where we will never thirst again. God, for everyone here today that has been chasing thing after thing after thing to find fulfillment and, and to satisfy their longings in their life, God, I ask that you would just become so present in their hearts and minds today that maybe for the first time they would finally just say, Jesus, I believe you're real, that you're good, you love me, and you lead to peace. God, I give my life to you. Maybe for the first time, God, I love you. I believe you're real, you're good, you love me, and you lead to peace. God, take my life, it's yours. I want to know and be known by you. So Jesus, we're so grateful that you believe in us. We're so grateful that you call us yours. We're so grateful that you are doing a new thing and that the best days are still in front of us. God, that no one in this room has peaked. No one is running downhill, God, but, but everyone that's with you is still the greatest, yet, the best is yet to come. So God, we love you and we thank you for your promises. We love you and we thank you for the word that you have given us today from the scriptures. God, we love you and we thank you. And it's in your name that we pray, the name of Jesus. And we all said, amen.